Joshua chapter number 24. It's been a blessing to see some visitors with us uh, here recently. Good to see some those those that did not know. We had one saved at Vacation Bible School. Uh, some others that we got to talk to that were a little unclear on things. But uh, again, we don't believe in just leading people through a prayer and telling them they're going to heaven that way. I want to make sure they understand uh, what they're doing. And so uh, we did have one boy get saved, little Lincoln, trusted Christ as his Savior. And that was a blessing that evening. So just be praying as we try to follow up with him. And I know that'll be a tremendous, tremendous blessing. You talk about bittersweet tonight. It's bittersweet for me because uh, I've grown to love the book of Joshua. Um, I know I've said it a couple of times that Joshua is becoming my favorite book of the Bible. And usually whatever Bible, uh, book of the Bible I'm preaching out of becomes my favorite book of the Bible. But this is the last chapter, chapter number 24. And I was asking the Lord, God, why don't you give me like eight messages out of Joshua chapter 24 just so I don't have to quit being in the book of Joshua uh, and going somewhere else. But I'm glad it doesn't leave when I'm finished preaching it. I always go back and read it again. But uh, if you haven't gotten any help out of it, I have. It's been a blessing uh, to what the Lord has done through the book of Joshua in my heart. But in Joshua chapter number 24, very familiar, familiar portion of scripture to most people. A lot of people even have this phrase somewhere uh, in their home, uh, and that'll be found in verse number 15. I would invite you to stand with me as we read just that verse uh, tonight, Joshua 24 and verse number 15. I do want to say also thank you for giving testimony. Uh, listen, the Bible does say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And as we preach this morning, we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen. And uh, we could be here all night just giving testimonies about God's goodness to us. And don't ever be afraid to, to speak for the Lord. And uh, when we have testimony time, it's not a time for us to glory in ourselves. It's a time for us to glory in the Lord and uh, give praise to Him. And so Joshua chapter 24 and verse number 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua is telling the nation of Israel in this passage to make a choice. He said, you've got to choose. You know what's right to do and all of this stuff, but you've got to make a choice today to serve the Lord. And I'm going to preach a message to you tonight about the choice. The choice that we have. And so uh, that's where we'll be tonight talking about that. We're going to go through the chapter uh, tonight, to, dividing it up a little bit, talking to you about this choice that Joshua was making and the stand that he was taking uh, in this passage and how we need to apply that to our hearts and our minds today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the wonderful service we had this morning. Lord, I just want to just give praise to your name for how good of a God you are. Lord, I just thank you that you love us, Lord, when we're unlovable. Lord, that you loved us so that we, you first loved us so that we can love you. And Lord, I just thank you for uh, taking our place on the cross and taking that death upon yourself so that we could have life everlasting. Thank you that uh, you rose from the grave and offer life to those that will receive it. Lord, thank you for the testimonies we heard tonight, how you've been very evident in people's lives. And Lord, I just pray that we'll never forget even the, the daily blessings that you give to us. Lord, the little things that you and I are, are that most of us here are just uh, take for granted each and every day. Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, help us to never, never take for granted the air that we breathe, the, 
days that we have to serve you. Lord, every day that you allow us to wake up is another day to share the gospel with somebody else. And Lord, we just thank you and praise you for all that you've done. Thank you for this church time. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, we ask you to be with it. If there's anyone here tonight that does not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. In Joshua chapter number 23, we talked about uh, how Joshua was old, coming down to the end of his life, and uh, coming down to the end of his leadership with the nation of Israel. And he was talking about this, saying, you know, he's old, and he's trying to give some instruction for the future. And uh, as he was talking to them in Joshua chapter 23, he said, Take heed therefore to yourselves that ye love the Lord your God. He was trying to remind them to love God and do all of those things. Now in Joshua chapter 24, I'm going to read some of this stuff for you and then we're going to go back and talk about it. But in verse number 1, it says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and presented themselves before and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus said the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah and uh, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave uh, unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and I gave unto Esau uh, Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses also uh, and Aaron, uh, and I plagued Egypt according to all that which I did among them. And afterward I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, ye came unto the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt, and ye have dwelt in the wilderness a long season. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought you, uh, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed from before them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the sons of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed, uh, he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And ye went over Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. And the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor. And cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, of the vineyards and the olive yards, which ye planted, uh, which ye planted not, do ye eat. He was reminding them, Joshua was reminding them about all the things God had done. All the areas that God had brought them from to now. This is a very unusual deliverance uh, that we see all the way to verse number 13. It's very unusual how God did things for the nation of Israel. He was reminding them all the way back 
how God brought Abraham through and all the things that he took through and how he brought Moses and Aaron and, and led them all through and how the Red Sea fell upon the Egyptians and how he saved them and he did all of those things and they wandered in the wilderness and he gave them the land of Canaan and how he destroyed all the enemies and all the things that the Israelites got to experience, the, the buildings that they got to live in, the land that they got to possess, the, the places they got to eat, the vineyards they got to eat from, all of these things that they didn't even really have to do anything but obey the Lord and follow after him and he was talking about the blessings that, that God had given, and they, they made a choice. The, the nation of Israel had made some choices, uh, whether they were good choices or bad choices along the way. They had made choices, and their choices dictated some outcomes. And every time they cried out to the Lord and they submitted to the Lord, God was there to help them. And uh, they were learning. He was reminding them that your choices have consequences. I believe through all of this, he was reminding them that there was an unusual deliverance that God did here because we are a stubborn folk. We are a, a hard-hearted people, but yet God still kept His word to us that when we submit to God and we follow after Him, that He's going to fight for us and He's going to be with us. And uh, He was reminding them, listen, I'm old and I'm about to go off of the scene here shortly as the leader. And God's going to raise up other people to lead the nation of Israel and to do things. He said, but what you need to do is you need to understand that God is the one who you need to cling to. He said, it wasn't by our sword that we defeated anybody. It was by the Lord. It was by him. And he began to remind them that it wasn't their skill, it wasn't their uh, swordsmanship, it wasn't any of that that helped them to conquer the battle or the enemy. It was only the Lord's plan and the Lord's way because their choice to follow him. And he's going through all of this and he's talking about this unusual deliverance that God did through all of this. I mean, it was amazing to me to read the story about the Red Sea when I was young. I remember hearing that story. My junior church teacher talking about this Red Sea and how the, uh, the Israelites are walking up to the shore of this sea and, and all of a sudden they look behind them and they see the army of Pharaoh coming behind them. This Egyptian army that wants to have their servants back and uh, they changed up their mind because, hey, wait a second, God had all the plagues back there, remember? And then he said, finally, I'm going to let God's people go. And then they, wait, we don't have our servants. We actually got to do the work ourselves now. So we want them back. And uh, they go to pursue after them. And here they're standing at the Red Sea and they're looking behind them. There's no place to go. What are they going to do? And God blew with his wind and the wind parted the waters. We used to sing that song, God blew with his wind. And the waters parted and they went across on dry, dry land uh, and they march across. I, I want you to think about how wide this had to be for all of them to get across. I mean, there's millions upon millions of people that are crossing this Red Sea. And they cross to the other side and here uh, Pharaoh's army's in hot pursuit and they come right behind him and they're in the middle of the water. And all of a sudden God goes, and the waters fall. You say, the Bible doesn't say that, but hey, I have a good imagination, I'm telling you. But you know what? God could have just been doing this and moved his hands, whatever. God held the water back, and the water drowned the whole army. You know, I thought, man, what an amazing thing. That's an unusual deliverance, isn't it? How God did that, drowned the whole army in the Red Sea. Some people have said, well, that's actually the Reed Sea, and it's not really that deep. Well, that's even a bigger miracle, isn't it? That the whole army got drowned in about three inches of water. What a blessing there. You know what? I just believe what the Bible says. It wasn't the Reed Sea, it was the Red Sea. And God did a miracle. And then here they are, they're without water, Brother Nick, and what are they going to do? He says, smite the rock, and water comes forth. And he smites the rock, and water comes forth. Then he tells him, speak to the rock, but, you know, he has a temper like most of us, and he hits the rock again, and water comes forth. But you know what? He didn't obey the Lord, did he? And he wasn't able to, 
enter into the promised land, but God still provided and still sustained and still delivered the nation of Israel. And then they go all the way through and that, that water that was uh, fermented, that, how it got made clean and they were able to drink of that water. And God did all of this stuff and they're going through all this. He led them by a pillar of cloud during the day and fire by night and all these things. And man, they, they griped and complained about the regular manna. So he gave them quail. I mean, meat eaters, what a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. He gave them quail and they complained about that. And then God still provided for him all this. And he's reminding him, listen, God has been so good to us. And we preach this morning about thank you, Lord. It's good to give thanks unto the Lord. And I believe Joshua in here is reminding the nation of Israel all that God had done because we're hard-headed and we forget about it. Very quickly, the daily blessings that somebody gave those testimony of. The daily blessings. It was an unusual deliverance. But he was reminding them, too, that their choices have consequences. And you know what? They wandered around through this wilderness for 40 years, and now they're on the opposite side of Jordan. They had crossed the Red Sea, which was a, a tremendous miracle how the waters parted. But God even does it again just to secure some things. And they take the ark, and they step into the water. The priests step in the water, and the water parts again. And the nation of Israel crosses across on dry ground. And now they're sitting there and they've now been recircumcised and wounded and they're getting ready to fight against Jericho. Having this battle and God says, you know what, if that wasn't unusual, I'm going to give you some orders about how to take Jericho. Oh, I know, God, we're going to build catapults and shoot ourselves over and we're just going to go in there, man, and fight. No, you're going to march around the city. One time a day for six days. And on the seventh day, you're going to march around it seven times. And you're going to blow trumpets and, you're going to, and the walls are going to fall down. And you're going to go in and fight the battle. Hold on a second, Lord. That's kind of an unusual deliverance, isn't it? That's not the way I would plan. That's not what I would do. Well, I'm glad his ways are above ours and his thoughts are above ours. And uh, God knew the best way for them to do it because you know what? They couldn't have done it without him. It was an impossible task. He reminds him about Jericho and he reminds him about all this stuff. And he reminds him about the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Jebusites and the Hittites. And he's going through all, the, all these battles that you have fought, that God has fought for you, that he's been with you. And God has delivered the enemy into your hand. And he's going through all of these things. And then in verse 13, he said this, and I have given you land for which you did not labor. He said, you didn't have to do anything but obey me. And I gave you land. You didn't labor for it. You didn't pay for it yourself. But I've given you land. I've given you cities, which you built not. And you dwell in them. Of vineyards and olive yards, which you planted not, do you eat. He said, other people have done the work and you're gaining the blessings for it. There's the food that you have, somebody else planted. But I'm providing it for you. And he's talking about these unusual deliverance. He's talking about all of these things that God has done that are way unusual. And I'm sure there's many of us that can think about how God has done some things that are pretty unusual in our hearts, in our lives. How it's really unexplainable what God has done. We heard testimony of it tonight. Just Miss Shirley being here tonight. What a blessing. How God did some unusual things. And you know what? That's how God works. He's different than you and I are. He does things differently than what you and I could ever imagine. And Joshua is telling the nation of Israel, listen, remember what God has done. 
you got to make some choices. And I believe he was reminding them because he talked about their choices and how uh, some of them probably complained and said, we'd rather go back to Egypt and do all of this stuff rather than possess the land God gave to us. And we want to live out in the world instead of living for God. And it was so much better when we were being provided for over there and all of these things. And they began to complain. And guess what? We're full of complaints, aren't we? Talked about that this morning a little bit. But he's reminding them about the goodness of God. He's reminding them about who they serve. It was the Lord that they followed. In verse 1 through verse 13, there was an unusual deliverance. But in verse 14 and 15, there's an unavoidable decision that has to be made. I want you to see this in verse 14 and verse 15. It says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. You know why I believe that that word is just put there on purpose by God? Everything in Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It benefits us for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And I believe God placed this here on purpose because you're never going to serve Him in sincerity and truth until you learn to fear the Lord. You have to fear the Lord first. You say, what do you mean I cower under the pulpit because of the Lord? No, a respectful, reverential fear that, listen, I serve the Almighty God. It said, now therefore serve the Lord and fear or fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. He's saying, but if you're going to fear the Lord and you're going to serve him in sincerity and in truth, listen, with your whole heart, if you're going to do this, you got to do something else. It's unavoidable. You can't do it both ways. You got to get rid of the other gods. Those things that are controlling your life. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. He was telling them, listen, if you're going to serve God the way that God intends you to serve Him, you got to put away these other gods. These other gods which your father served on the other side of the flood. I don't think he's telling them this because there wasn't a problem and it was just preventative maintenance. We know the nation of Israel kept going back to other gods, didn't they? You get in the book of Judges and we'll find out what happens uh, there too and how they keep going back to other gods. And we can criticize the nation of Israel, but how many of us in this church, honestly, in our hearts, don't raise your hand, we have other gods that we need to put away tonight. There's some things in our life that it's an unavoidable decision. It's a choice that we have to make. We have other gods in our life. Maybe it's the God of cell phone that some of us need to learn to control. We need to put those things away. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? There's so many people that don't know what it's like to communicate with family anymore because all they do is sit there on their cell phone. They serve the God of Facebook and Twitter and YouTube and all these other things. And listen, I think social media can be a great tool to get the gospel out, but too many of us serve it as a God. The God of money dictates our life. What are we going to do for the Lord? Well, that depends on how good of a paycheck I get. Am I going to come to church? I don't know. Because you know what? They want me to work on Sundays. You say, well, preacher, that's the only job I can find. Listen, you stay faithful to God. God will help you find a job. You say, what are you talking about? God wants you to obey Him first. Obey Him first. It's an unavoidable decision. He said, now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. He said, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. He said, there's an unavoidable decision. You can't have both. 
You can't serve the other gods and serve the Lord. You can't do both, and that's why the Bible says no man can serve two masters. You can't live in the world and live for God at the same time. That's why he told the church of Laodicea that he'll, he would that you were cold or hot. Instead of being lukewarm, straddling the fence, he said it makes him sick. He wants to spew you out of his mouth. God would have more respect for somebody that just said, you know what, I'm going to live my life over here for myself. And it's blatantly known. Than to say, oh, well, I love God and I want to serve God and I'm going to live for God on Sunday and then I'm going to live for myself in the world on Monday and Tuesday. And then Wednesday night I'm going to come back to church and man, God's been good, preacher, and praise the Lord for that. And you know what, I might even come every so often on Thursday night. And You know what, I want to go out and win people to Christ and praise the Lord for that. And then I go home and I watch ungodly things and I listen to ungodly music. And you know what, God's okay with that because it's my life and if I'm happy, you know, Listen, just because you're happy don't mean God's happy. Sin is fun for a season. Happiness is not joy. You say, what are you talking about? Joy comes from the Lord. Other people can have temporary happiness. But you know what? God says, listen, you can't have both. And Joshua's reminding the nation of Israel, God has been so good to us. Remember all the unusual things that God has done for us as a nation. But now is decision time. Now, there's an unavoidable choice that you have to make. No longer can you say, well, Joshua told me to do this. Because it's not going to be long and Joshua's not going to be here. You have to make a choice. You're either going to serve the Lord, you're going to fear Him and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve you the Lord. He said, but if you don't agree with me. If it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, just make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites and whose land ye dwell, this land God's given us to possess, those, uh, those gods that, that the God of heaven destroyed before us and all those things that uh, he broke down before us and all those things that he's risen up through and showed that he was victorious over and all these things. You can serve those false idols and those false gods if you want to. He said, but you got to make a choice. And you know what? The same is here tonight. I'm giving you an unavoidable decision this evening. You either have to serve God or serve the world. There is no in between. You can't have both. You can't sit here tonight and say, well, preacher, you know, I think God's okay with me coming to church just one time a week because, you know what, I, my health doesn't allow. Listen, you need to do what's uh, good for your health, but you need to obey God. And if you're able to be here, you ought to be here. You say, what are you talking about? Why? God commands us to be here. I had somebody tell me recently, Brother Ron, say, well, I don't have to go to church to worship God. I said, you're right. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God out mowing the grass. You can worship God doing all this, but you cannot be right with God and obey God and not come to church. Why? Because you have to come to church. That's what God tells us to. He died for the church. You ought to come. Forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. God wants us to come together. We ought to be in church. There's a lot of people who say, well, I have church at home. Show me that in Scripture right now. No, if they had church at houses, they went to house to house. Uh, what? Proclaiming the name of a gathering where two or three were gathered in his name. There he was in the midst. But you know what? They had temples and church. That's what we have. We come together. We have a decision we need to make. There's some of us that have these other gods, these things in our life that they control us, the things that we worship. You say, well, what is a, what is a little g God? It's anything you place above God. That's a God to you. 
You know what? Husbands, it can be your wives. Wives, it can be your husbands. Parents, it can be your children. Grandparents, it can be your grandchildren. Uh-oh, we're on sensitive ground now. Preacher's in trouble, and I'm bringing up those grandchildren. But the fact is, you can place them in, as gods in your life. You can. I, I, I tease my parents all the time. I say, how come things that I was never allowed to touch? My, my kids can come to your house, and they can play with those things, and you used to whoop my tail for that, and now the kids, oh, they can play with it. It doesn't matter. I'm like, what happened? What changed? They're like, well, there are grandkids. I said, so what's that mean? It doesn't matter. And I tell them, well, you shouldn't touch those things. You shouldn't play with those. Things. Oh, it's all right. No problem. I remember, Brother Nick, I, I'm not bitter about this stuff. Okay, so. <laughs> I remember I was young. There was a certain time after this period of time, I wasn't allowed to have any sweets because I'd stay up late. Now the grandkids come and it don't matter. Here you go. Woo. Have it all. Why? Because you're going home, right? Praise the Lord for that. Something takes place and I think, you know what? I'm glad grandparents love their grandchildren. I'm glad parents love their children. But we've come to a fine line of spoiling people. Giving them whatever they want. Because we're afraid of offending anyone. Listen, truth is truth no matter how you slice it. And we still need to have some discipline. We need to still have some rules uh, to abide by. Without rules, there's chaos. But we have to come back to the place where we realize we don't put anything above God. Not our grandchildren, not our kids, not our spouses. Why? Because we are not doing that relationship justice if God is not first place in our life. You say, what do you mean? I'm not going to treat my wife the way I'm supposed to treat her if God's not first in my life. My wife's not going to treat me the way she needs to treat me if God's not first in her life. We're not going to treat our children right the way God intends us to treat our children if God's not first place in our life. Why? Because God is the one that teaches us relationships. God is the one that teaches us how to respond in those relationships. If I don't go to the Bible every day, if I don't go to God's Word every day, I'm not going to have the wisdom of how to know how to run my family. I have to make a choice daily that I'm going to serve the Lord. I have to make a, a decision, it's an unavoidable decision. I'm either going to serve God or I'm going to serve the world. And there's a lot of people that think they're doing both, but the fact of the matter is you're only doing one. You say, what are you talking about? If you're serving the world, you're not serving God. You might think you're serving God because, hey, I come to church on Sunday. But the fact is, if you're serving the world... And you have sin in your life because you're serving yourself and serving the world and serving the prince and the power of this air, serving the one that we got saved away from. If you're serving him, you cannot have two masters. You can't serve both. You're either serving one or the other. You're either all in for God or you're all in on this side. You say, what are you talking about? The Bible says friends of the world are enmity with God. Does that mean somebody who's all in for God isn't going to trip up on occasion? That's not what it means. It means somebody who trips up for God is going to get up and keep on going for God. Say, hey, I stumbled, but I'm going to get up, wipe the dust off, and I'm going to keep on going forward for God. But somebody who's over here serving the world six days a week and then wants to come to church on Sunday and says, oh, God must be pleased with my life. Let me, hear, let me tell you this tonight, friend. God is not pleased with your life. It's an unavoidable decision that we have to make. And Joshua's telling them this in this unavoidable decision. He said, you've got to make a choice. Either the world or God.
And I know this isn't the time with the nation of Israel, but it's still applicable today. God placed Pastor Caldwell here tonight at Faith Baptist Church for such a time as this to say this. You've got to make a choice. You're going to serve God or serve the world. I can point you to which one you need to choose, but you have to make the choice. You young people, you have to make the choice. You have to choose. Oh, yeah, you can obey mom and dad now, but there's going to come a day you're going to be out of mom and dad's home and you've got to make a choice. Why don't you just choose now at your young age that I'm going to do what's right? But you need to, it's an unavoidable decision. And it's from the youngest person in here that has an understanding of right and wrong to the oldest person in this room that has that understanding of right and wrong. Every one of us have to make a choice to serve the Lord or to serve the world. There is no in-between. A lot of churches today will tell you to, oh, just serve self. You're the one that matters. It's all about you. Listen, God cares about you. But it's all about God. It's not about us. Not about who we are, but it's all about who He is. And it's, there was an unusual deliverance He reminded them of. Then there's an unavoidable decision that He tells them needs to be made. But then there's an unmistakable declaration that Joshua makes. He says in verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to choose to choose uh, to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. And then here's the unmistakable declaration. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what? I don't think anybody could mistake what he meant. He said, even if you choose the false gods, I'm serving the Lord. Even if you go the way of the world, I'm serving the Lord. Even if every other church, Brother Ron, wants to go and, and go contemporary and change their whole life, uh, their whole style of preaching and, and want to change the Word of God and they want to change into this newfangled way of doing things. As for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. That's the choice. It was unmistakable what he meant. It was unmistakable what he was trying to say. He said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, let me help you with this. He didn't say as long as my kids were okay with it. He didn't say that. He didn't say, as long as my kids want to come to church, we're going to go to church. No, he said, we're going to serve the Lord. I remember one time, I was about 16 years old. And you know, 16-year-olds uh, think they know everything. <clears throat> and then they realize when they're 19, they knew nothing. And they still know nothing. And then we get older and we realize we still know nothing and we need to keep growing. But I was 16 years old and I wanted to fake sick. I didn't feel like going to church. So I'm laying there. <coughs> Mom comes in, Dan, get ready for church. Oh, I don't feel good. I don't, I don't want to go to church. Dad comes in. Dan, time for church. Get up. Listen, uh, uh, parents aren't dumb. Okay. You might think they are, but they're not. Next thing I know, I was in the air. My mattress was coming with me. I was flying through the air, land on the ground. Dad said, you got five minutes to get dressed or I'm coming back in with the paddle. You know what? I got dressed quickly. 
all of a sudden, the miracle pill, I didn't need Benadryl, I didn't need nothing, boom, I was getting ready for church. Why? Because mom and dad said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You're going to church whether you want to go or not. Well, you shouldn't force kids to go to church. You forced them to eat, didn't you? People use that excuse. Well, I was forced to go to church. I don't do it anymore. You were forced to eat. You haven't given that up yet. The fact of the matter is we make excuses for why we don't want to come to church. You know why most of us don't want to come to church? Because we don't fear God. We don't fear God. We fear not having a thousand friends on Facebook. Not being the most in our social media following. Listen, it's all about serving the Lord. Parents, listen, you're not doing your kids any harm making them come to church. Not doing them any harm. Well, preacher, you're just too old-fashioned. Thank you. Listen, you all need to make your kids come to church. Why? Because they're hearing truth. And whether they want to come or whether they don't want to come, if they're under truth, truth has a way of just penetrating people's hearts. Has a way of doing it. You know what? There's times, just to be honest with you, our, our physical health, we don't feel like coming sometimes. Sometimes our schedule won't allow, and I understand those things. But sometimes our physical health, and we just wake up in the morning, maybe on the wrong side of the bed, and we just think, you know what? I just don't feel like going. That's when decision time comes. Am I going to serve self, or am I going to serve the Lord? I wake up in the morning, and you know what? I'm tired. Oh, I didn't get to bed till 3 because I was playing video games, right? Not really, I, I don't play those things, <laughs> but a lot of our generation does. They wake up in the morning, I got to go to work, where's God? We have to make a choice. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what, parents still are in charge. You know that? It's a, it's a unique thing. And God gives us children, not for the children to tell the parents what to do but for the parents to lead the children and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know what nurture is? It's, ad, it's, it's trainings, teaching. You know what admonitions are? Warnings, chastisements. That means there needs to be a balance in our life. We have to teach them and train them. Training them is putting into practice the things that what they have learned. It's one thing for a kid to have head knowledge of what they're supposed to do. It's another thing for them to be able to apply it to their life. And that's where we miss out a lot of things. We try to dump a lot of knowledge in people's hearts, but we don't tell them how to use it and how to apply it. Joshua's saying, listen, remember what Christ did. Remember it's all about Him, but you have to make a choice whether you're going to serve the Lord. He said, but let me tell you where I stand, just so there's no question. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We're going to serve God. You know what he was doing? He was being the leader God made him to be. He said, we're going to serve God. God has been so good to me that I'm going to serve the Lord. He has done so much for me, I'm going to serve Him. Because of His great love, wherewith He loved me, I'm going to love Him in return, and I'm going to serve Him. He said, but if I'm going to fear Him, and I'm going to serve Him, I've got to put away the other gods. I can't serve two masters, only one. And there's an unavoidable decision that you need to make. Now, this is some boldness. Standing, he's old. 
standing there. They could have just said, you know what, you're an old man. Get out of here, you crazy loon. But he had set an example through his life. They said what was coming out of Joshua's mouth wasn't just words, he lived them. They couldn't say, well, oh, finally he's getting religion because he's old. You know what, our testimony speaks a lot when we have something to say. Parents, if you're living for the world and all of a sudden you get up and say, hey, I'm serving the Lord, and guess what, you guys got to get rid of all this and get rid of all this and get rid of all this, and you haven't gotten rid of any of it. It's hard for you to ask your kids to do something you haven't surrendered to. Truth. It's truth. You know what? They need to see an example. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what Joshua was saying? I'm going to be the one worshiping the Lord early in the morning when my kids get up. I'm going to be the one having read my Bible and prayed already by the time my kids get out of bed. I'm going to have, let them see me praising the Lord. I'm going to let them see me thanking Him through the good times and the bad times. I'm going to let them see me fearing God and putting Him first in my life. And listen, I'm not against us having good times as families. I'm not against us having things. I'm not against us doing those things. But when those things have us is where the problem comes. It's an unmistakable declaration. He said, we will. Serve the Lord. You know what? Once his kids become adults, that's a choice they have to make for themselves. But you know what? I praise the Lord for that I had some parents that kept me in church. You young people that your parents had you in church, you ought to thank God that you have a mom and dad care enough about you to bring you to a church that preaches truth. That you have Sunday school teachers and junior church workers that love you and pour their heart out to you every time they stand up in front of you. You ought to thank God for it. There's kids that would give their right arm to have what you have. You've been given a lot, and you ought to be grateful for it. Some of us have the idea that, well, you know, it's just too uncomfortable. There's people in other countries that would give both their legs to have a copy of Scripture. And guess what we do? We just leave them lay around like it's no big deal. Well, I haven't seen my Bible in a week or so, but I'm sure it'll turn up. Listen, we ought to treasure the Word of God. We ought to treasure the things of God. Unmistakable declaration. I wonder if, if you stood up and said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would people question it? Or is it unmistakable? There's no doubt what he's saying they are going to do. Because he's already been doing it. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. For sake of time, I'm not going to go through a lot of these other verses, but I want you to look at verse 24. Actually, look at verse 22. Start there. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves, that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve Him. And they said, We are witnesses. He said, Now hold on a second. You say you're going to serve God after I just gave you a choice. You say you're going to serve the Lord. He said, listen, let's just put it down. Are you witnesses today that you said you're going to serve God? You know what he did? He held their feet to the fire, held them accountable for the decision that they're making. He said, you're witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, now, therefore... Put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. You know what he said? Now, 
let's see if what you said you really meant. You said you're going to serve the Lord. You're witnesses of it now. Put away the gods that are in your life. Don't just talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. You say you're going to serve it. You're witnesses of it. Put away the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord. And verse 24, And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and His voice will we obey. You know what we saw? A unified dedication. A group of people that said this, Joshua, we're on the same side as you. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put away those gods. We're going to serve the Lord and His voice. Will we obey? We have a lot of people in our society today that say, Oh, I love God. I want to serve God. But when you put their feet to the fire on it and say, Oh, hey, your witness is against yourself. You said you're going to choose God. What happened? They say, Man, quit judging me. Am I right? That's what they say. Quit judging me. Listen, it's time some of us as born-again believers just go to our brothers and sisters in Christ and help iron sharpen iron. You know what? You said you're going to serve the Lord. Why aren't you doing it? You know what? I love you. I care about you. You say you're going to serve God. How come you're not doing it? Put away the false gods and get back to what you said you're going to do. But there was a unified dedication here. They all said, you know what, Joshua? You're right. God has been good to us. And that God that you're standing up saying you're going to serve, we're going to serve the Lord ourselves. And His voice will we obey. What a dedication that that is. A unified dedication. Here they all come together and they're saying, we're pulling with you, Joshua. We're going to serve the Lord. Imagine what God could do in Faith Baptist Church if if, if we had a unified dedication that just said, you know what? We're going to serve the Lord. And His voice will we obey. You know what that means? He says, hey, I want you to serve in this area. Yes, Lord. I want you to go out and tell this person about about me. Yes, Lord. Whatever He says, you'll do. You know why it's hard for us to obey the voice of the Lord a lot of times? Because we don't hear the voice of the Lord because we don't make a choice to serve Him. Put away the false gods. There was an unusual deliverance, an unavoidable decision, an unmistakable declaration, and a unified dedication. It all comes down to this, the choice. The choice. They made the right one. They made that right choice. We're going to obey the Lord. Now, if you continue to read, they went back on that decision on multiple occasions. But at least in this time, guess what they did? They made a decision. We're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. And set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. You know what he set up a statue for? As a remembrance of the choice that they just made to serve the Lord. You know what? Maybe some of us ought to put some things up in our home to remind us of decisions that we make. You say, what are you talking about? Maybe put a a, a plaque on the wall that says, hey, I told God I was going to serve him with my life on this day. Preacher, that's funny. No, you need some reminders. We need to maybe write in your Bible, I surrendered my life back to the Lord on this day. And go to that. Why? Because we need some reminders. 
They set up a statue as a covenant between them saying, listen, you made a, a, a pact with me that you're going to serve the Lord and you're going to obey His voice. Every time you look at this, it's going to remind you of it. You know what we need to do? We need to set up some covenants between each other that, listen, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to do what God wants us to do. And it doesn't matter what any other church in this area does. We don't answer for them. We answer for this place. And as far as I'm concerned, Faith Baptist Church, say, as for me, my house, we will serve the Lord. The question is, who are you going to serve? It's your choice. Put away the other gods and serve the Lord because you can't serve two masters. You can't have them both. You don't get the best of both worlds because guess what? There isn't a best in the world's way of thinking. The best only comes on God's side. Say, oh, well, I want the best the world has to offer. You know what that is? Hell. <laughs> That's the best the world has to offer. Who really wants that? None of us, right? Then just serve the Lord. Surrender your heart to Him. Listen, if you're not His child tonight, He wants you to be His child. We got to have some parents that have this unified dedication that we're going to serve God together. And it doesn't matter if our kids want to go to church, they're going. You can't make me. <laughs> Watch me. You know what? We, we've spoiled our nation too much. We need to come back to the place where we say, You will serve the Lord. This is my house that God's given me. You live in my house, you're going to serve the Lord. You don't want to serve the Lord? There's the door. But they're my kids. I understand. But right is right. Truth is truth. You're going to compromise your beliefs and your standards for your kids. That means that you love them more than God. That's what it means. But if you say, thus saith the Lord. Now listen, I don't mean be a dictator and bust them upside their head with the Bible every time. You know what I mean? Live the example. Because they don't care what you say until they see how you walk. It's truth. You know what? They'll do a lot more of what you say when they see you living what you say. You know why the nation of Israel chose to follow after what Joshua was saying? Because he lived it before he spoke it. He said, I'm going to make a, a declaration. You can choose whatever you want to choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I believe they looked and said, you know what? It's very evident that Joshua's been living it. And he made no mistake about it on what side he's on. And you know what? I like what Joshua has. And I'm going to do what Joshua's been doing. I'm going to follow the Lord. And we're going to obey the voice of the Lord. I want to ask you, will you have that same mentality tonight? Are you going to serve the Lord? The choice is yours. I can't make you serve him. But if you're going to serve him, you've got to fear the Lord and serve him with sincerity and in truth. That means you've got to put away some other gods. Get rid of them out of your life. Why? So that he can be God of your life. With heads bowed, eyes closed.